you only get one shot at retirement. So you better get it right. That's why we're here to help you with income planning, investment planning, and making sure you're taking advantage of advanced tax planning. Eliminate the financial worries of tomorrow and retire with certainty today by listening to Phil Putney of AFS Wealth Management. This is the podcast for you if you need to eliminate lots of question marks that surround your current financial plan. Welcome to Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with the one and only Phil Putney. What is going on, Big Phil? How are you? I'm doing good. How about you, Mark? I am hanging in there. I got a little bit of the chills, getting a little bit of that time of the year switch, I think. So I don't know. Yeah, we we're talking about those big temperature swings that we mm-hmm. get. So it uh, we're we're in the middle of that too. I get that winter vortex early. This yeah. is January where they're in November. So Yeah, the time of this podcast taping, you guys just got hammered with uh, about ten did. inches of snow. Yeah. It's pretty, but <laughs> it was not, not fun last night. <laughs> it's pretty, but not in the mood for it yet. That's right. Uh, that's right. I hear you there. That's good stuff. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. It's, you know, I don't know. It is what it is, right? I mean, it's uh, the old... The, I think I think this joke applies to about every city, it seems like, though. It's like, what do they say? There's like two seasons usually, It's you know, or three seasons. Some will say summer, winter, and construction. I construction, think that was what yeah, I always heard Michigan, for, for Michigan. Sure, yeah. So. so, well, anyway, we're going to get into our program this week. So let's jump in here and see what we got going on in the news extra extra read all about it and uh, my news topic is uh, the social security administration recently announced that retirees will be getting a 1.6 cost of living adjustment they're going to get a cola although it sounds more like a diet cola but anyway (laughs) uh, for 2020 so uh, will that increase uh, you know does that matter at all to clients when you see those folks does that really balance out or does it just kind of get absorbed through some other kind of cost or something? Yeah. I mean, it, it long, the long run absolutely matters. Okay. You know? I mean, it, it's little bits along the way. Um, you don't really see it, but the reality is if you compare, for instance, social security, then to a, a pension where you're not getting that, although you don't feel it or see it that much over time, compare it over a five, 10 year period of time, it can make a dramatic difference. Right. So, you know, I always remind my clients when we're talking about Social Security and when I'm teaching the class on Social Security that it does have a cost of living. The cost of living for Social Security is based on the um, average wage earners increase. So, I mean, it's not necessarily the cost of that basket of goods, so to speak, that you're seeing inflation on. So, it typically isn't going to keep up with more traditional inflation, but it is a contribution towards it. Let's put it that way. And this year, it's a smaller contribution, but that probably means inflation um, hasn't been that great. So... Yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of times like my mom, when she's gotten one in the past and there haven't been very many over the last couple of years, it seems like sometimes there's an adjustment to Medicare and that kind of wipes almost wipe, wipe each other out. They kind of like cancel each other out sometimes too. So, yeah. And I mean, that's an interesting thing for those that have been on social security, the cost of living or the increase in the Medicare part B premium, right? it can't cause your social security to go backwards. You know, for instance, you can't get a decrease in net next year because your cost of living on part B has gone up. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, but when cost of living starts to come around again, then they catch it up. Yeah, I see. You know, so it could be two or three years of, you know, not getting cost of living and kind of this built up premium out there that hasn't been uh, recouped yet. 
So yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. Well, so there you go, folks. So just in case you did not know that, which you may, if you're uh, getting social security, there'll be a small bump in 2020, it appears. And that's our news topic. And now we're going to turn our attention to our main section of the show this week. And our main topic is going to be sabotaging your own retirement. Now, I want to ask you, why in the world would we do this when considering there are so many things in the financial world we cannot control, right? There's things we just, you know, they're out of our our realm of control. Why would we want to mess up the things that we can, but yet we tend to do that, right? Kind of human nature. Yeah, I was going to say it's human nature. Yeah, we Human kinda, nature. You always worry about the things you can't control. Yeah, we get in our own way and we do dumb things and we're all guilty of it. And Absolutely. it doesn't mean you're a bad yeah. person. It just means you're, you know, you got to be careful once in a while not to get in your own way. So let's discuss a few ways that people sabotage their own financial health. And of course, you know, Phil's been doing this for more than 30 years, so he's certainly seen his fair share of this. So a great resource for you to pay attention to. And, and hopefully you are uh, subscribed to this podcast. And if not, uh, go get it done. Subscribe to Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. All right. So, Phil, obsessing about the short term ups and downs of the market. Now, at the time again of this podcast, we're pushing 27.8 on the Dow. It's back yep, up to hit, hit another new record. records again and new records again against that top. So and it's hard to like not pay attention. Right. But, but at the same time, it causes just stress. Yeah. And it's, you know, the market's one of those crazy things. You can't control it um, moves in cycles. But exactly when those cycles turn. No one knows until after it's gone, you know, and then they can point backwards and say, yep, that's when it was. That's when that bull or that bear market started or, you know, ended. So in the bottom line with the market and, and the ups and downs, you can't sweat the the day to day. You know, there's a lot of political, social things that contribute to it that in the long run don't really matter. As long as you have a plan and how you're going to manage and control that volatility. Personally, when we're setting up investments for clients, we bucketize money. So the money we're going to spend in the next 10 to 11 years, we don't have a lot of volatility. In fact, ideally, we don't have any volatility in that portfolio. We're just trying to keep up with inflation. We call it our later bucket. That's the money for more long-term growth. You're going to see some volatility. So I mean, that's our personal preference and how we handle it. Um, and it helps our clients not maybe obsess so much for the short term because they understand that up and down is happening in a bucket that they're not going to need for 10 years. So makes it a little bit easier to manage or feel okay about some of that volatility. Right, right. You know, but whatever whatever your strategy is, you've got to do something to, I mean, worst case scenario, and it, it's, um, I don't want to say funny, but <laughs> um, it's sad. Actually, I was working with a client uh, just recently that during the financial planning process, he was pretty reluctant to give me some of his statements. I mean, it's part of what we need to get the good information, you know, the right information into the plan. Um, well, after we had met two or three times, I mean, he finally kind of, came out with what happened and he had been managing his own accounts and had done really well over the last couple of years, good market. And then December of 2018, he sold everything and went to cash gotcha. and he's been there since, you know? So right, I mean, right. worst of all scenarios because you you wrote it up, took it to the bottom and got out right at the bottom and, and missed the recovery of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, again, it's easy to get obsessed uh, to obsess with it. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're, you just should not do it because, again, it's human nature. We're going to do it from time to time. But, again, that's a way that you can sabotage your own retirement. So try to limit how much you let this, you know, stress you out. Because if you're constantly watching it and you're thinking, oh, it's climbing, it's climbing, I'm going to jump back in on this or something I was thinking about, yep. or it's falling, it's falling, I'm going to jump back out, you're just chasing your tail. So Yeah. In, anytime you're reacting like that, the market, it's um, exactly, you're, in hindsight, you're probably going to have made a mistake. You know, so at the end of the day, you need to have a plan and understanding volatility is going to happen. 
but make sure it's managed in such a way that it's not going to affect you long term. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you there. So that's one way we can sabotage our retirement. Uh, another one is uh, starting Social Security at the wrong time. Now, this is inevitably a question that goes round and round and round and round and round uh, because, you know, everybody's no one knows. They're like, well, what is the right time? What is the wrong time? And most people just want to turn it on as soon as they can. But that's why, you you know, when you're sitting down working with a professional, you're working with trying to get a plan put together, you can hopefully kind of start to pinpoint that down a little more closely. Correct. Absolutely. And I mean, that's actually when we're doing our financial planning, the, the very first thing we look at is Social Security and the different claiming options and strategies that exist and, and figuring out what is the right strategy from a maximum benefit like over your lifetime standpoint. You know, and then looking at kind of the pros and cons, how much money have you given up up front if you're delaying the benefit that you could have received, that break-even point, you know, how much more does it get you in the end? Um, and it really, again, it comes down to having a plan and understanding the facts. You know, I always tell my clients, I, I don't guess I let the numbers tell me the reality of the scenario and let's run the math and see what it looks like. You know, at the end of that, now you know, so you're not just making some arbitrary decision of jumping in and getting it as soon as you can. I mean, I hear too often people do that just because, oh, they think it's going broke. I've got to get the money before it's gone. So, you know, it's, right. it's again, understanding some facts and, and having a plan exactly. that, that uh, you can follow. No, and I, again, we, you know, we talk about these things a lot on the podcast because, it's easy to, you know, especially the last 10 years or whatever, the market's been doing what it's been doing. And, you know, if you've been DIYing it, you know, it's, you know, you probably feel pretty confident in a lot of ways because it's been pretty, pretty, pretty it's easy. It's a good market. Yeah. yeah until, until the last 18 months, where right. it's just all sorts of volatility. Yeah. But it's, but overall it's been flat too, right? I mean, if, right, you, if exactly. you take all that volatility and you say, well, yeah, there's still, it's still pushing all time highs, but I think some of the, when it falls, I think it's kind of wiping out those highs, right? That's, so it's been kind of just a flat market is my understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, these new highs we're hitting are, are by a few points, you know, or a hundred points on the Dow, but I mean, it's still, it's a very little push above where we've already seen three, six months earlier, you know, and then right. we lose it and it goes back right, down right, and, you know, right. some, something happens, some tweet happens or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's just all of a sudden volatility picks up again and, we start to test the high and then it'll same thing will happen again. Right. So. Yep. And, and hence my Rocky Balboa analogy I've been using for a while now. Right. So yeah, yep, <laughs> exactly. Know, you just got to get back up off the mat, you know? Uh, yep, so, yep. <laughs> all right. So let's continue on with sabotaging our own retirement here. So this one is another one. I think that a lot of us definitely do. We sabotage ourselves here and that is just pretending, looking away, turning a blind eye, whatever you want to call it, but you just don't want to face the conversation or the potential future of a long-term care event, i.e. mostly, I think, a nursing home event is what most people fear. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's the unfortunate reality. I mean, more of us are living longer and longer physically, you know, but there's still a need. A lot of times it's more from a a mental standpoint uh, through dementia or some form like that. But it's a a scenario you have to look at. It's something that when we're doing uh, financial planning with clients, we always plan for the best, so to speak, and and plan it out as though there's never a need. But then we stress test it and say, okay, what happens if, you know, what if you need some kind of long-term care in that last five years of your life? And to me, the biggest concern with that is then what does that do to a surviving spouse? If you're the first person to need care because of that, are you consuming the majority of the assets? So now your surviving spouse doesn't have enough to you know, maintain their lifestyle the rest of their life. Yeah. So yeah. there's all sorts of ramifications to that that you got to look at. You know, another one that often comes up is if you're thinking that your kids are going to help you, maybe they will, but mm, mm-hmm. or even a spouse, what does that do to them? Yeah. 
there's a lot of times you'll see that one spouse cares for the other and what does that do to their their health at that stage so well and you get into a cyclical effect with that too if you're relying on the kids and then the kids can't do it or you know yada 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 and we talked about that before as well well let's flip the script on a couple of these somewhat doomsday or naysaying type ones and let's let's go to one that that might be a little bit more humorous but does happen and that's you're just assuming that because you love your job today, you're going to love your job in 10 years, right? Uh, you know, I love people do that. They're like, oh, I love my job. I can't see myself leaving. I don't and know then, if I'll ever retire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then 10 years later, you're like, oh, my God, I want to slap my boss, you know, or whatever the case is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's comical because I'm, I'm working with a, a school teacher right now that when we started the process, she's like, you know, I, I really love my job. I just don't know that I'm ready to pull the switch right. know, and say I'm done. And I don't know what happened, something during this process during this year, maybe it's the kind of the freedom now to understand she could. At one of our meetings, she said, you know what, I'm done. If you tell me I can retire in in January or February, whatever her date was, I'm done. And I said, yeah, you can do it. So yeah, it's, you just, you never know. And with her, I was surprised because I thought for sure she was going to be there another three, four years at least because she loves her job. She loves the kids, but you'll reach that point where all of a sudden, you know, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and you got to plan for it, you know, because if you're thinking today, oh, it's plenty of time. I'm never going to get there. Yeah. No. And then if you're not identifying that, and not only just that, not identifying like that potential, but also identifying just, you know, how much you're going to need, want, use, whatever. And that's a kind of the big place I think most people feel sabotage themselves. We get into this habit of saying, okay, even if you're like a really good diligent planner and maybe you're a really analytical person and you're like, yeah, you know, we're spending $5,000 a month every month on everything we do. Maybe you've thought it all out. Maybe you said, okay, that's the mortgage and the utilities and the dinners out and uh, the occasional movie and a, a golf game a week and whatever, right? Even if you've thought that yeah. all out and you've said it's $5,000 a month, so groovy, that's what we need to clear each month in retirement and we're all set. Have you really identified and thought about how much more you're going to spend in retirement? Because I just don't feel like that's going to hold, not to mention the fact inflation is going to change that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you got to account for inflation. and But I mean, this whole topic is probably the, the biggest pitfall I see. Um, one of the exercises we do in our uh, Social Security class is we handed a budget worksheet and we encourage the participants in the class to, to walk through that and, and start to think about what's it going to cost in retirement for the various items. And it's an interesting exercise, but at the end of the day, everyone always underestimates what they need, always. And how we approach this is, I want to see your last two years tax returns and let's run through the return and see how much net spendable income you had on the return. And at the end of the day, there's only two things that happen to that money. You either spent it or you saved it. You know, and, and right. most clients are, again, are they're, they're underestimating what your expenses are, which can be a big mistake. No, I agree with you. And again, so the simple course of the fact is like, okay, don't get in your own way if you can help it. And I know we're going to do that from time to time. So ideally, yeah, I mean, so just, you know, taking the time, if you're working with an advisor, you know, asking them some things, Hey, you know, am I doing anything that's causing this to be more of an issue? Do we need to, you know, work on my behaviors, things of that nature. If you're not working with an advisor, then that's certainly another place you can sabotage it as well. So make sure that you are talking with a qualified professional like Phil. He's a CPA and a personal finance specialist at AFS Wealth Management. 
here in the Metro Detroit area. Been doing this for, like I said, almost 30 years. So reach out, get it on the calendar with him, have a conversation, uh, 248-888-7530. That's 248-888-7530. Share that number with a friend or family who you may benefit from it, but definitely subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast for us. We'd certainly appreciate that. Go to AFSWealthMGT.com. That's short for management. AFSWealthMGT.com. Uh, we make it easy for you to subscribe on uh, Spotify or Apple or Google. Uh, I think there's a way to text share it or uh, share it on Facebook and things of that nature. Yep. So we would certainly appreciate all that good stuff. And with that said, we are going to finish up with an email question this week that has come into the website. We got Helen. Helen's in Northville and Helen says, Phil, are there really no tax implications to rolling over my 401k? I don't really like the investment options in the 401k, but I don't want to roll it over and get hit with a tax bill either. Um, yeah, absolutely yeah, correct, Helen. There is no penalty as long as you're rolling it out of a 401k into an IRA or another 401k or company plan. That's from an IRS's view kind, they're both tax deferred vehicles. And that's a, a great point because that's how 401ks work is there, there's a limited number of investment options that employers are going to give you. Sometimes it doesn't maybe fit your needs specifically. So you might want to look outside if it's available. Typically while you're still working though, the plan isn't going to allow it. Some of them do have what's called an in-service distribution. So if, if you're still working and beyond age 59 and a half, then that door might open where you could roll that out into a, an IRA. But if you don't feel that it's meeting the needs you have, then I would definitely encourage you to explore the options and you will not have a tax bill as long as it goes into uh, another tax deferred vehicle. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you so much, Helen, for that question. We appreciate it. As always, before you take any action, if you hear something useful on the program or something that piques your interest and you want to learn more about it, again, before you take action, always check with a qualified professional like Phil Putney. He is a CPA. 248-888-7530. This has been Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. And Phil, my friend, uh, stay out of the snow and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. You too, Mark. We'll see you later, folks, right here on the program. Talk to you next time. investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.